The book is here. The book is here, my friend. I'm so excited to announce that my new book, my first book, Be Seen, Find Your Voice, Build Your Brand, Live Your Dream, is officially available for pre-order. Oh my gosh, such an exciting moment. And I'm so grateful that you are hearing this because it means that you can go pre-order and get some of my really dope bonuses. Now, I love to incentivize people to take action fast because momentum begets momentum. So I want you to go and pre-order. And when you do, head on over to jengottlieb.com slash be seen and put in your order information so you can get the bonuses for pre-ordering. The bonuses are amazing. First, immediately you're going to get the recording of me reading the introduction and the first chapter to the book. So you can listen to the intro in the first chapter before anybody else. And it's me reading it. So you're going to get a lot of different little behind the scenes nuggets. You'll also get a special invite to my very first Manifestation Masterclass virtual event. Now, this is a two-hour virtual event that I'm going to do where I it's the first time I've ever taught Manifestation in that kind of uh, atmosphere where it's a place where you can ask me questions and we're together on Zoom. It's going to be epic. So everybody that pre-orders is going to get an opportunity to join me for that Manifestation Masterclass. So I can't wait to see you there. I'm so excited for you to get the book in your hands and for you to get those amazing bonuses. So go on over to jengottlieb.com slash be seen and order your book wherever you want to order it from, but put that order number into the website so you can get the bonuses. Go do it. I dare you. Can't wait to hear what you think. There is no shortage of wonderful healthcare orchestras in the world right now, from healers to Western practitioners. There's no shortage of practitioners, but the hardest, the hardest part of it is actually being the CEO of your own health and well-being and understanding how you need to prioritize and kind of in what order. What if today was the day that you dared yourself to do what you've always wanted? Welcome to the I Dare You podcast. I'm your host, Jen Gottlieb. And together, we're going to step outside of our comfort zones and into our best lives one dare at a time. So come on, I dare you to dive right on in. I am so excited about this interview today. And y'all know I don't have a lot of interviews on the I Dare You podcast. So if I'm going to bring somebody on, it's somebody that I truly, truly believe in and someone that I want to highlight for you guys because I know that they're the real deal. So this amazing human was introduced to me by my friend Gabrielle Lyon, Dr. Gabrielle. If you don't know, you need to check her out. But she is basically my health guru and one of the only people that I listen to when it comes to health. Now, she messaged me and she was like, you have to meet this woman, Colleen Walkup. She's the founder and CEO of Mind Body Green. And I'm like, what? Mind Body Green has been around forever. It, it has about 15 million monthly unique visitors. And I've been reading Mind Body Green for as long as I can remember. Being in the health industry back in the day, it was like, it's the goat of health platforms and where to get all the latest and greatest information when it comes to what's going on in the health space. And Colleen is the founder. So I connected with Colleen and I was like, so blown away and impressed with who she was as a human. And then come to find out she has an amazing new book coming out, The Joy of Well-Being. She sends me the book. I read the book. The book is everything that I truly believe in when it comes to 
health. And believe me, you guys, I've been on a health journey from doing all the things that were completely wrong and bad for my body and destroying my body to finally finding joy in the way that I live my life. And if you join me for any of my morning Instagram lives, or if you've been listening to this podcast, you know that I believe if you don't have your health, you can't dare yourself to do uncomfortable stuff. You can't create the success and fulfillment you want in your life. Your health is the number one most important thing. And in this episode, Colleen comes on and gives us all of her really simple, simple, simple tricks and secrets to living your very best, most joyful life. Because if you're not finding joy in your wellness, then you're not going to do the things. You're not going to do the things that keep you healthy. So I'm really excited for this episode. Please tune in and share it with whoever you think needs to hear it. And get ready to hear from the amazing, amazing Colleen Wakab. Here we go. Colleen, I'm so unbelievably excited to have you on Idario. Thrilled to be here and so happy to get to connect with you. We were chatting, listeners, I have to let you in. We were chatting, I should have pressed record earlier, right before we pressed record. And I was telling Colleen uh, after reading her book, The Joy of Wellbeing, that I've never had somebody that's an expert in health on my show yet because I haven't really had anybody that's that I truly believe wholeheartedly in their entire uh, viewpoint of health completely. And I read this and I'm like, oh my God, this book was written for me. Everything in this book is something that I I have had to come to terms with in my health journey that has helped me. And I'm like, oh my God, yes, cold exposure, yes. Finding your purpose, yes. Connection, yes. Sleep, yes. And then most importantly, a practical guide to happy, healthy, and a long life. Practical and finding the joy is the most important thing that I think people are missing. So I just want to tell you, I'm so grateful for that you created this. And I'm so grateful that whoever's listening right now is listening to this conversation. It is for the greater good. So thank you. Well, thank you. And I'm honored to be your first health conversation on this podcast. Okay. So the first question that I have to ask you is you, you founded your company, which ended up being what you guys have like 15 million monthly subscribers now on Mind, Body, Brain. Unbelievable. Uh, in 2009, was it founded? Yeah. So what was the impetus for that, for creating this, this space for people to learn about health? Yeah. So as you know, my husband and I run the company together and we both had our own health total breakdown moments. Um, my husband, Jason, was having excruciating back pain and was seeing a ton of doctors who suggested surgery. And yoga ended up being the gateway drug for him to heal his back. And the inflection point of realizing, oh, wait, you know, we have no one really talking about health in a truly holistic, mental, physical, spiritual, emotional, environmental well-being way. So during that same time, I was working super corporate jobs. So gapping for eight years, Walmart, Amazon, Jason always jokes, I missed Exxon on my corporate tour of duty. And I was working nights and weekends because we had not monetized the business in any capacity and we needed my health insurance, my salary to, to live. And then I had my own breakdown moment in 2012 when I had a pulmonary embolism and I was leaving a, a New York yoga class. It was my 11 a.m. Saturday ritual at Terrace Style Studio. And then I was having a little bit of trouble breathing after. And I, 
I asked my husband, you know, meet me in the West Village while I was walking. And I was like, you know, I got to go home. I went home, was going home on the A train, collapsed on the subway stairs, got out of the subway station, called my general practitioner. And then I did what so many people do in that I totally gaslit myself. I dismissed the symptoms. I did anything to avoid trekking to an to a New York City ER on a weekend. You know, come Monday morning, Jason was, you know, you can't go to work unless you agree to stop at the doctor on the way to work. So got to the doctor's office. Within a couple minutes, it was very clear that um, I was having a pulmonary embolism. I was totally confused. I didn't know what it meant. He gave me a sign that said, I am having a pulmonary embolism for me to carry, a little note. And I wasn't sure if it was because he didn't think I would make it to the ER or once I was there, I'd be so bewildered. I wouldn't be able to explain what was happening in my body and we could waste some precious time. So got to the ER and there were showers of clots in my lungs, showers of them. And luckily I got there and I, I didn't have a catastrophic event. But then I wrote an article on Mind Body Green about this experience that went pretty viral because I, I didn't have significant risk factors for clotting. I had been on the birth control pill, but I had heard the risk and they were more for, for smokers or being overweight. And I didn't think I fit that criteria. And then once this event happened, I did so much blood work and I really don't have significant markers for clots, which is interesting. And just a cautionary note. And now this, this conversation is so much more widespread than it was in 2012. But that for me started this you know, I'll use your your words, a breakthrough moment, you know, and you sometimes you just have to hit these rock bottom moments before you begin to change your life and how you live. And this was the start of a very long healing journey for me where I sought out everything. New York City in the 2010s had a ton of fascinating holistic healers. It had the best of Western. And I tried it all to try to feel better, to try to better connect with myself, to try to just kind of rationalize what had just happened and why I just experienced this. And the joy of well-being is the roadmap I wish I had over a decade ago when I was going through this to help me better get to the solution faster and probably have a better ROI at the beginning. Um, but ultimately, that experience was what you know led me to dive full on in and, and devote my life's work to, to Mind Body Green. Mm. Wow. So I'm, you know, that I'm a firm believer that you have to sometimes have the breakdown to lead to the breakthrough. And I'm sure that you had so many breakthroughs and aha moments from your, all of the things that you discovered as, as a result of this really horrific experience. But if I were to ask you, what was the most powerful one, or maybe the, the one thing that you didn't know that you wish you knew about health and wellness the one, if I had, if I said like one thing to give to our listeners right now that they can start to dare themselves to do, maybe if they're not even on a health journey, what was the most powerful thing that you learned throughout this experience? The biggest lesson I learned is that you have to listen to the whispers in your body before it becomes a full on attack. And I got a cosmic kick in the butt from the universe, but there were in retrospect, so many signs along the way that things were slightly out of tinker that I was like, eh. I, again, I just gaslit the symptoms. I gaslit what was happening and I didn't take them seriously enough. What were and, some of those signs? I'm just, I'm just curious, you know, heightened anxiety mm. uh, and like anxiety to an extent is a part of life, but I wasn't able to fully, 
you know, manage it in a way that it didn't have an outsized impact on my life. And that's still something I'm working on, you know, over 10 years later. But the way in which I let it, you know, spin wasn't great. Sleep, which is, you know, now something we talk so much about, but it was manifesting in so many sleep problems. And then there were some physical symptoms. You know, even the week of my PE, I was like, you know, my foot seems a little swollen. And I didn't even connect those really physical symptoms. Uh, it must be just the, it must be just the New York summer heat. And again, gaslit something that, you know, it was truly off. And, you know, my body was trying to give me the signals first that my lifestyle wasn't really fitting what my body needed and the nourishment it needed at that moment in time. And then second, the physical symptoms. Hmm. Okay. So how have you taken those lessons? Like, okay, sleep, anxiety, all the things that you're like telling your past self, this is what I wish you would have known. How have you now taken those and incorporated them into your life in a way that feels good and joyful because there's a lot of extremes and you wrote the book, the joy of well-being. So I it, like, it's very easy for me to listen to like, okay, oh, stress. Oh my God. I got to meditate every day. Oh, like sleep. I got to go to bed at eight o'clock and get my eight hours of sleep and wake up early and feel amazing and work out every day and do all the things. And then I think a lot of people get really overwhelmed and then they do nothing, but it seems right. like you have mastered this um, this lifestyle of doing the things that help you get more in touch with your body, help you to be the healthiest version of yourself and give the past you the stuff that you wish and the knowledge you wish you had in a way that's easy and feels good. Tell me how you've done that and what your life looks like today. So I think you have hit the nail on the head of my current kind of gripe with the word wellness and the longevity conversation kind of as it manifests itself, because there it's wonderful that there are so many more evidence-based recommendations, but if you were to follow all of them, it would be completely overwhelming and impossible to keep up with it all, that it would likely just add additional stress into your life, which is, you know, the whole reason for being of the joy of well-being. And, you know, there's eight pillars and, you know, to be in the pill, to make it into the book, something has to be evidence-based, it has to be accessible, and it has to bring you joy. Those three things. That's the criteria that every kind of pillar needs to touch on. And I think the hardest work that you have to do and continue to do along the journey is I'll use what Arthur Brooks calls the personal mission statement. And it's this process of checking in with yourself and understanding what it is that brings you joy, what parts of your physical health are going well. There's other prompts of, you know, how are you serving others and kind of taking stock of things because there is no shortage of the right information, but the hardest thing you have to do and the thing that you know took me such a long time to to kind of tune into my body, especially at this moment in time, you know, when I go back to my PE, when I was not able to tune in because I was just putting my body through lots of intensity, intense work, intense exercise, intense socialization, which was not what it needed at that time. But being able to tune in and truly understand where is the best place to start? There is no shortage of wonderful healthcare orchestras in the world right now, from healers to Western practitioners. There's no shortage of practitioners, but the hardest, the hardest part of it is actually being the CEO of your own health and well-being and understanding how you need to prioritize and, and kind of in what order. And you know, for me, I always look at it from the standpoint of like what is going to deliver, you know, the biggest impact right now. 
Um, oftentimes in my life, that's been sleep and it's been, you know, kind of the easiest place to start along that journey. But that's the part that only you can decide. It's likely going to fit into one of these eight pillars, but it's understanding where the equilibrium in your life has gotten totally out of whack. And if it's not serving you, not to say that there's not times that you're not going to be working hard or you're not going to be, you know, working out more, but it's understanding if that is serving you or not. And if anyone is totally clueless of where to start, you know, we make the, f- the first chapter is about breath. And why is that? Because you take 17,000 to 30,000 breaths a day. So if you're truly looking to help feel better, breath is such a gateway, not just to immune response, stress response, but also it helps activate your rest and digest system if you breathe properly through your nose. And so many of us, including me, were breathing all wrong and had no idea and uh, going about life like a bit of a mouth breather. Mouth breathing. I'm just starting to hear about this. Now, thank God. I'm like, okay, I breathe through my nose. Right. Okay. I've been doing that just naturally, but I know my husband breathes through his mouth a lot. Tell me I think that people are genuinely curious what uh, what's wrong with breathing through your mouth being a mouth breather. Yeah. So, you know, one of the biggest, you know, we all have the things that motivate us to kind of make those changes in life. And one of mine like triggers was understanding that if you breathe through your mouth, you're actually potentially increasing your flight or fight system. Whereas if you breathe through your nose, you're activating your rest and digest system. And one of the best ways to kind of build up that armor of habits so that you're going to be protected at night when you go to sleep and, you know, are breathing for eight hours is practicing active listening during the day, which, you know, it was a great lesson for me in letting someone finish their sentence because you're just quietly nostril breathing. And it's, you know, for us, it's all about integration. I have no need, desire to add extra stuff into my life. So it's how, when you're doing the dishes, how, when you are, you know, walking your dog or driving your, your car to carpool, are you actually incorporating, you know, and starting these great healthier habits of nostril breathing so that when you're going to sleep at night, that practice continues. Mm, We get better when we practice just like anything else. So you just got to practice it. You have to remind yourself And that gets me to the question I've been wanting to ask you about, because you guys are very high-performing entrepreneurs. You have an unbelievably successful company. You wrote a damn book. Congratulations. I know as someone that's writing one, how hard it is. And it takes a lot of discipline to be successful in health, in life, in business, in a relationship. You're in a, a beautiful relationship. You've got kids, right? Like, so it takes discipline, but the book is about finding the joy in, in, in the health journey. But I also know that there's got to be some discipline in doing things that you don't want to do. You talk about cold exposure, right? Ice baths, things like that, uh, hot exposure. That, that's stuff that doesn't necessarily feel good in the moment, but you have to be disciplined enough to do it in order to get the good stuff on the other side, which is, I, I imagine, the joy on the other side. So how do you combine, how do you find a nice, I guess, balance? I don't know if there's a balance between discipline and finding the joy in something. Because people might be like, oh, working out is not joyful for me. I don't want to go for a long walk. It's not joyful. I don't want to get in an ice bath. It's not joyful. So Colleen says I don't have to do it unless it brings me joy. But I'm guessing that that's not what you're saying here. Yeah. So I think it's all about calibrating where you are and going back to, again, what your body needs at that moment in time. So between running the company with Jason, my husband, having you know two very young children, three and six, 
I'm at a pretty high stress level with like daily life. So what I know that my body needs right now is more nourishment, more joyful. But this is coming from someone who's literally devoted, you know, the past 14 years of life towards health and well-being. So I can't say that, you know, the first time I tried a new workout or the first time that I maybe tried, you know, really changing my diet that it was like, oh, wow, this feels amazing. But I think the principles that I've always found that lead to more sustainable habits is this concept called the wellness wave. When one thing starts to click and you see that early result, then you're like, okay, great. Momentum begets momentum and you start doing more of it. So maybe that thing for you is sleep. Maybe it's eating a little bit earlier and not, you know, snacking at odd hours, whatever it is that has that impact on you. Once you start feeling better, there is just this incredible, insatiable curiosity that kicks in where you're like, I feel better. All elements of my life are going better. I want to learn more. Now, unfortunately, the inverse of that has also merit and plays out, which is the wellness pileup. When one thing goes wrong, if it's sleep or something else, and you start maybe not waking up as early, not being able to have your breakfast or that, you know, is protein filled or whatever it may be for you, the inverse can also happen. So it's how do you get those initial positive responses so your body and brain are like, I like this, I feel good, I want more of it, and figuring out what works for you and your body so that you can ride more of that wellness wave. Mm. What would you say to someone if they maybe had a bad experience? Because I, I completely agree with you. This is all I teach is like, you got to get the action. You take the action step to get the win that creates the motivation. You're not motivated out of thin air. You got to like experience it, right? And a lot of people do this with personal development too. Once they listen to one podcast or read one book and they realize something changed for them, oh God, I want to listen to everything. I want to read everything, right? Totally. And it's the same thing with the wellness, because when you see that you can start to actually start feeling better, that's when you get the momentum and the motivation to explore other things. Now, for some people, I've seen this happen and I love your advice on this. You're the expert. Like they, they have an experience that they just don't like, or it doesn't work for them, or maybe they're doing everything right. And they're going to the workout classes and they're sleeping and they're doing it, but then they get diagnosed with some kind of awful illness. And then they're like, Oh, this crap doesn't work. Now I'm going back to the other side. How would you, and especially maybe for you too, because your, um, your health situation happened after you founded mind, body, brain, right. Yeah. And you were exploring all of this health within your business. And then this happened to you. So how do you bounce back and, and how do you find that, um, I guess that, that, uh, motivation or how do you create that motivation again once maybe it didn't work for you? Yeah. So one of my favorite, although I love all the pillars in the book chapters is this idea of something bigger and it, as someone who grew up pretty disciplined, very rational, um, I responded to Western me medicine. Um, I responded to business metrics. Throughout this healing journey, I actually had to lean into the complete other side of my brain and, and spiritual side. And I really had to believe in this idea of something bigger and disconnect purpose from vocation. And there are many people who find their their purpose in their in their vocation and their career. And I I have purpose in my career as well. But this idea that there is something that bigger than all of us is really important to get us through the tough times. Because we started this journey, you know, on health missions. I got 
a PE three years after Mind Body Green had started. And then we had a horrific big T trauma experience in trying to bring our, our first child into the world of an ordeal that lasted about four years from you know start to finish that was excruciating mentally. And while the physical part was hard, roughly nine IVF embryo transfers of a total of 15 embryos to get to our first daughter, the physical part was hard. It was the mental part of something bigger that was a principle that I had to really lean into. And in some cases, you know, surrender, but understand that, you know, life is a journey and there there are going to be ups and downs and we have to build the resilience to, to be able to better weather them. I love that this is part of the book. I love that you shared this. It's so important. And I think it's a, a big missing piece in, in a lot of it. People are just snap out of it, just like snap back, you know, and, and that's really, really hard to do if you, if you believe that it's just you and you're just here and you just got to weather the storm all on your own. I, I, and the, the idea of having a higher power and surrendering and letting go, that's like my, that's, that's my word of the year, two words, <laughs> let go. I have a word of the year every year. And usually it's something that would move me forward in my business. I actually think that this word was more of a spiritual phrase, but it's moving me forward in my business more than ever. Uh, and, you know, interest in my life, letting go, letting go and trusting and doing the best that I can. And if you follow the pillars in these book, in this book, breath, sleep, nutrition, movement, stress, connection, restorative, restoration and purpose, you're going to be way better equipped to handle the red lights when they come. Because something that I believe that's certain in life is no matter what, you're gonna, Matthew McConaughey talks about this in his book, you're gonna get the red lights. You're gonna get the, the shit's gonna hit the fan at some point in time, that's life. But the more you take care of yourself, the more connected you are to something spiritually, whatever that is to you, and the more healthy you are as a person and the more tools you have to be able to snap back faster or take care of your body or take care of your relationships, the way more equipped you're going to be when bad things happen to be able to be more resilient. So with that, out of all of these in the book, health-wise, physically, what do you think helps you the most other than other than sleep? Maybe if we're talking about nutrition and exercise, what most people think of when they think of health and wellness, what are your beliefs on that? Yeah. So if I were to say where our minds have changed the most over the more than a decade of Mind Body Green, it would actually be within the movement and nutrition worlds. And okay. I see those two worlds actually trend-wise going very close in parallel. So in the 2010s, there was a huge upswing in um, uh, yoga in the cities that were really driving the wellness cultural conversation, which I would say was New York or LA. And what happened with that is that it was a very you know, vegetarian-like diet um, that resulted. And I too was part of that. I did a lot of yoga. I didn't eat enough protein. And the wonderful change that we've seen happen now is that there is a shift in both how we eat and how we move. Um, I can tell you the statistic that had the biggest impact on me personally, and I had heard it so many times that I became a little immune to it. And then when we posted it on Mind Body Green's Instagram, whoa, people were very mad that we had shared this shocking statistic on what should have been a lighthearted Friday. 
but it's if you're over 65, there's a 25% chance that you'll fall. And if you do fall, studies show that your chances of falling again, and if you fall and break your hip, then there's a 30 to 40% chance that you will die within a year. And it's not from the fall, it's from all the associated things that happen in a around a fall, whether it's a hospital stay infection. I mean, there's a whole host of them. So this idea of using this time now to build up our armor so that we are stronger in the later decades of life is, is huge. Um, I still do yoga, but I have definitely incorporated more resistance training, done kettlebell workouts, and really had to focus on my protein intake, which I wish I had been doing decades earlier so that I could help build up the, this armor. And one of the wonderful things now that I see happening with girls and women is if you take you know, the high school uh, where my daughters go to school, you go by the gym and there's women taking weightlifting classes. The most popular class on ClassPass last year was a women's weightlifting class. Like women are now being trained to exercise these muscles, which I wish I didn't wait until I was 43 to, to really activate so that we can spend a lifetime building this armor so that we're very strong throughout life, but especially in our later years where a fall can have such catastrophic consequences. Mm, you're speaking my language. We were introduced by Dr. Gabrielle Lyon, which the queen, the queen. And I followed Dr. Gabrielle before I even knew, before we were friends and yeah. just have been really focusing on building muscle. But there was a time in my life when I wanted to be skinny. There was where I just wanted to do a ton of cardio. I know a lot of my friends that would do two cycling classes a day and then a yoga and then eat froyo. And that was like, that was our life for a couple of months. You know, like I, I remember that time and I'm so I, 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 I they do too. Yes. Right. We all had that time. <laughs> do two soul cycle classes and then go to Pinkberry. And, totally. and like, I think back and I'm like, you know, we needed all of that to learn and grow. And, and so we could have conversations like this now, but thank God now, like, I, I don't even, I actually read a, like a little portion in your book. Um, you said it for just a second, but I do want to pull it out because I think it's important. Um, now I do, well, first of all, walking. And when I read the section on walking, walking is my favorite thing to do in the world. And it's really the only cardio that I do now. And I used to do a ton of hit, a ton. And you mentioned that sometimes doing too much hit can actually have damaging effects on your body and walking can be so much better. And I would like for you to dive in because I know there's a lot of people listening to this that think they need to beat them shit, the shit out of themselves at the gym and do yeah. high intensity intervals and fluid, yeah. run all around. And, the, you know, and, but really I've been lifting, eating a lot of protein and walking and I felt better than ever. My physique has been better than ever. And it's the opposite of what I always thought to be true. Colleen, take me through it. Walking is the most underrated activity that you can do. And not just for the mental health, the physical health. It's also great from a protective force against dementia. There's an incredible study of, of almost 80,000 people who are living in the UK that found that clocking 10,000 steps per day was correlated with a 51% risk in dementia. So beyond just the joy of it, you know, there's other great brain protective measures uh, that walking entails. And, you know, the, the joy of well-being is really all about this principle of integration. So not how do you add more stuff or more things to do into your life, but, you know, 
How do you take the stairs? How do you, uh, maybe you're parking a little bit farther away when you're going to the grocery store, like all things that are super easy to integrate into your life. And, you know, there are so many people who are aficionados of some of these hardcore workout experiences. And when we did share on a recent Mind Body Green podcast and an Instagram clip, Dr. Molly Malouf sharing that, you know, this is probably not good for a lot of people. It's one of those, um, you know, firestone moments in the comments, because I think this is really new information to people that overexerting themselves may have the opposite impact of what they're trying to do. And, you know, you're in New York, I'm in Miami. A lot of us are hard in our bodies. Like our bodies are carrying a lot of physical stress from the demands of life, from the demands of career, from family stress, from whatever it may be, that adding more stress into our lives in the form of exercise may not be the best thing for you. I dropped the mic, my friend, <laughs> because I love that you're sharing this, that we're talking about this on the podcast, because the majority of people are, or for, for a very long time, we're talking about the opposite, do more, do more. And I think there's still a lot of hustle culture out there. And it's really easy to get on the internet and scroll social media and see people beating themselves up and think, oh my God, I need to work harder. And it's, it's hard to actually do less sometimes for high achievers. And if you're listening to this podcast, I would bet that you're someone that is more of a high achiever, or you wouldn't be listening to a podcast called I Dare You to do all kinds of things. All right, so I'm going to dare you to take it easy. That's harder for me. That's harder for me to take it easy, to, to actually walk more and 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 be easier on myself and be easier on my body um, and breathe more and all those things. So let's, how, let's talk about, so we talked about protein, we talked about lifting, and then we talked about walking, which is my favorite favorite, being a New Yorker. And I know you used to be a New Yorker, so... But let's talk about restore restoration and rest, and restoring and recovering, because I also think that people aren't taking the time to recover. What's your favorite way to recover, or have you learned any new recovery hacks? Anything that you want to talk about that? Because I'm I mean, the biggest one for me is is sleep, and I go into this in the book. But I had a like I ended up in the hospital after three nights of of not sleeping in my early twenties. And I had this anxiety that built up over a presentation in front of various senior executives that could have an impact on my final job placement when I was in a rotation program. And I literally didn't sleep for, for three nights. And, you know, I'm sure there's a lot to unpack there with a psychologist of how this, you know, spiraled out of um, control in my brain, but I went to the hospital, I got a Xanax and I slept, but that was kind of like the start and end of kind of the sleep etiquette learning that happened from that experience. So from sleep for me is, you know, a lifelong journey. And I think it is the most foundational principle of, of recovery. Um, you should never get more less sorry than five hours of sleep. But I think the path to do that can be, can be trickier for some people. So for me, it was really about understanding what were those motivations and triggers for my body. One of which, you know, is stress. So how do I better manage my stress? I can't work as late as my husband. I can't have my phone in my room like my husband. Like we're all so different. And I think we have to like really get in tune with what are those things that send our brains spiraling. For me, it's working too late at night. I don't because it, it's not good for my sleep. Um, caffeine curfews. Uh, I drink a lot of tea. I have coffee in the morning. Many people will tell you to cut it off at 12 or two. I cut it off a lot earlier. 
But then I've also realized through my two weeks of wearing an aura ring, and I only wore it for two weeks intentionally because I got a treasure trove of insights, but I also found that it increased my sleep anxiety. Once I got the facts that I needed to transform my life, which was I shouldn't have alcohol too late at night or else it will have implications on my sleep, then it started creating more stress and anxiety. And there's there's actually a study that even having a, an alarm clock in your room can trigger sleep anxiety because you have that effect of looking over, what time is it? Oh no, I'm still awake. I'm not asleep. So you have to be really mindful of the ways in which you use technology. Now, all that said, I still break the rules, right? I know what works for my body and there's times when I will confidently do things differently. So for instance, my husband and I watch television in bed. Every sleep expert will tell you not to do that. It brings me a lot of joy. I love watching Secession. And, you know, that is an important part of kind of exiting the wellness world and going to bed with something totally different. I also still drink, not too much. There's, you know, not a ton of great evidence of, there's no great evidence about, you know, having alcohol from a health perspective, but it is something I enjoy and I enjoy it more with friends. I'll try to drink at brunch or lunch instead of dinner, which sounds crazy to a lot of people, but it will give my body more time to process the alcohol and it will interfere less with my sleep. So at the end of the day, you can take all these tools and then you have to apply them in the right way for your own life based on where you're at and what you're trying to do. I love that. It sounds to me like you're basically saying you have a toolkit. And I'm not going to tell you exactly what to do because everybody's different. Everybody has a different lifestyle. Everyone's a different human being. Everyone has different things that they enjoy that brings them joy. And it's like, figure out how to incorporate all of these things into your life in a way that feels good for you. But you don't have to be crazy because the act of being crazy actually negates all of this. Would I be Absolutely. Happy? You got it. You got the effects of it. <laughs> I know because I used to be that person and it's actually, it, it's more of a, um, it's, it, it's, it's such a, um, a form of growth to experience it in this way, because I think it's actually quite, it's easier for people to be like, give me the exact step-by-step thing. Tell me what to eat, when to eat it, when to go to sleep, when to work out, what exercises to do. And I can do it, but that is not you can't do that forever. You can't keep up with that forever. You're going to fail, right? At some point. Yeah. And I, I think that's also why the nutrition and fitness side of well-being has had kind of an outsize share of the conversation because you can give people these protocols, whether they work or not, you know, to be determined, but you can give people that highly coveted, just tell me what to do action plan that everyone so seeks and craves. And the chapters and pillars that resonate with me and I think have the most impact on life are around connection and something bigger. Um, connection being, do you have friends? Are you socially fulfilled? Do you have someone you can call in the middle of the night when shit hits a fan to discuss you know, problems and celebrate life and joy with? And as there's a Cigna study of in 2019 that said 50% of Americans didn't even have meaningful face-to-face interactions. And that was in 20 on a daily basis. That was in 2019. I'm I'm worried about what that number is today. Um, and then if you just look at the data of there's about a 20% lower mortality rate that you can get from 
nutrition, about 30% for exercise. But when you look at having friends, being in a committed partnership, having relationships, that actually can be 45% lower risk on your mortality. So it's it has the most profound impact, but it's probably has the most narrow part of the health and well-being kind of conversation or mind share, even though it's so meaningful, likely because of all the reasons you just outlined. It's it's harder to kind of track and it's harder to to plan. And it's really work that has to be done on you know an individual level, but is probably going to have the most profound impact on cultivating a life well lived. Yes. Well, there's a lot more vulnerability there when you're trying to focus on connection instead of focus on what your body looks like in the mirror, right? It's you, you have to be, you actually have to put yourself out there and you actually have to talk to people and you actually have to connect with people. And for a lot of people, connection is, is scary. And it's something, you know, there's a loneliness epidemic happening. There's actually ministers of loneliness in certain countries out there because people are so lonely. What do you think are, or what have you been using as maybe tools for somebody that maybe is a little bit more introverted or has a problem being vulnerable and making new relationships? How would you suggest that people start to connect? Because it is part of overall health and wellness. Well, loneliness has the same impact on your mortality as, as smoking about 15 cigarettes a day, wow. which is really, it's really scary. And this is a place where both Jason and I have kind of done a, a self-diagnostic and been like, oh, wow, we can improve here. Uh, when I look at you know the 13, 14 years that I lived in New York, I don't think I made enough of an effort to cultivate and build the type of community um, that would help kind of support me through that life transition. And it wasn't until we moved to a new city, Miami, recently, we moved in the past year, that I had to intentionally go about making female friends and putting myself out of my comfort zone, which meant, you know, being the first person to kind of initiate a date um, or a connection with a woman, um, things that I never would have done in New York. And I think being out of my comfort zone kind of forced me to, to do it. But how do you, again, not have to move before you develop that mindset? There was a recent Wall Street Journal article about women who are now scheduling IRL time, you know, and, and treating it almost in the same way they would a business metric to make sure that it actually happens. Because of course, what's the first thing you start to take off your calendar when things get busy? It's probably your time with your girlfriends. And there's an intentionality of, about it that we've realized we have to, to cultivate that can get a little tricky, um, but we kind of have to put ourselves out there. Esther Perel had a great and a recommendation on the Mind Body Green podcast. She's a wonderful relationships therapist of, you know, just sending that text, checking in. Hey, I'm thinking of you, checking in. I think when you put yourself out there, um, the response rate is, is usually really encouraging to do it again. I love that because it's simple. I, it's easy to do. And you can combine, oh, guys, this is what I do. I don't know, Colleen, you might like this. Combine two of the things that Colleen suggests to, suggests to do. I walk, I open up my phone, and I look for three or four friends that I have not talked to in a long time. And I send them a quick little voice note. I'm thinking about you, and I'm super grateful for you as I walk. So healing. And then I, I feel like I'm so good. Just, just that connection, even if I didn't hear back from them yet. The act of reaching out and telling somebody that you're grateful for them or that they mean something to you immediately elicits joy. It makes me feel good. Like it takes me out of my own head. And if I'm walking while I do it, oh, so good. Bonus points. Bonus points. Well, I love this. Now, 
I, I'm curious. This is like one of the last questions I'm going to ask you. And I'm really curious about this because you see every wellness trend under the sun, right? You basically have a platform where you share all the different things that are happening in wellness. What is one of the, like the trends that you saw that came out that maybe you're like, eh, I wouldn't do this one, but everyone was talking about it for a minute, but let's switch to something that maybe you would put in the book or maybe you did. Yeah. I mean, the, the trend that you can't ignore right now is, is cold plunge. And I know we're talking a little bit about it. You know, I think it's, I think it's an important one to talk about because we included it because the science is so strong that doing cold plunges in the right way can help activate the stress response in your body. But it's also something that brings me no joy. I have rain notes. I turn purple when it's cold. I intentionally moved from a cold climate back to a warmer climate. So there's wonderful trends that are going to work for a lot of people and they may not be your panacea. And that's okay. I think too many times in the wellness conversation, we get caught in these, you know, tribal conversations. And I understand how it happens. A lot of times something happens, it has a profound effect on you. You start to feel better. But where that can go awry is sometimes what you needed 10 years ago when you were at a completely different life stage is not what you need right now. Or what worked for you may not work for your large community on social media. So it's about understanding, you know, we're all unique. We're all bio-individual. What works for you may not work at the same moment in time. And, you know, we have this saying, the only thing we're rigid about is being flexible because the oh. science changes, our bodies change. So how do we maintain this growth mindset where we're always open to new, exciting information that may just change our perspective on things? The only thing we're rigid about is being flexible. That is awesome. I <laughs> love that because that, that just opens you up to things that could bring you even more joy because maybe sometimes the path that you're on in, in your wellness journey it might not work for you, but it, you might have to have done that path in order to find something that that really works for you. So if you're not flexible and you're not open to seeing, oh, wow, well, wait, this maybe led to this. And I don't really like this. I didn't know I wasn't going to like this unless I tried it. I didn't know this wasn't going to work for me unless I tried it. So good. I agree. The cold plunge is definitely a trend. I definitely do it. And here's how it helps me. Uh, yes, physically. And I liked learning about all of the actual science in the book of how it's really like helping me. Ooh, brown fat. Let's get rid of that. You know, all those things like, okay, burns calories. Great. Amazing. But for me, it's, it's doing something hard. It's daring myself to do something challenging and then getting that win that will initiate some momentum and some strength in another area of my life. If I can do a cold plunge, I can sure as hell do this thing. And it just helps me with my confidence. And, and I do it on Instagram live, which is like double the accountability and vulnerability and all the scary things just to really challenge myself. But do you, so you hate doing it. So does that mean that your husband does them and you don't do them? I mean, you do them anyway. I, I never do them. Okay. Um, my husband will do it on occasion, like in a very nice setting. Like when there's a cold plunge outside in the Miami sun. Yes. Yes. That makes sense. I like that too. I like <laughs> that. It's much better than me ordering 15 bags of ice from 7-Eleven and putting them into my bathtub in my New York city apartment and jumping in with the camera on me. Yeah. It's not, it's not fun. Uh, I need to bring more joy into it, which I will figure out how to do. 
Okay, so I want to wrap this up with a question that I, I love to ask all of my guests. And this has been so amazing. I know that people are just like, this is this conversation just like gave me even more freedom to find more joy in my health journey and a little bit less rigidity and more flexibility and more fun. And I just want to really acknowledge you for putting yeah. this information out there. Like you don't have to do this. You've got an unbelievably successful company. You and your husband are like, let's write a book about everything that we've learned. How generous. What a beautiful, beautiful book to tie in your higher power, to tie in the real, the connection with, with spirit, with yourself, with other people to your overall health and wellness journey. If you don't have that, then nothing's going to feel good. It's just, it's so important. Uh, this podcast is called I Dare You. It's about stepping outside of your comfort zone, daring yourself to do things. Maybe this book was a dare for you. I don't know. I'm guessing. But I want to ask you, what's the biggest dare that you've dared yourself to do lately that ended up being something that was a great gift for you in your life? You know. This book was one big dare. Never would have imagined it. Two years in the making. And, you know, the the goal is to really help people have a more loving, nurturing conversation with longevity and figure out how they can chart their well-lived path. But, you know, this whole journey of entrepreneurship for me has also been one big dare. And I'm not someone that this journey comes naturally to. And I've had to build those muscles each and every day, month after every month. Uh, there's a reason I started in, in corporate America um, because that was my comfort zone. And so this journey you know, continues to teach me more than, than I could have ever imagined. But you wouldn't do it any different way, would you? You keep daring yourself over and over again. I love it. This is amazing. Thank you for spending this time with me. You guys, the book is The Joy of Well-Being. Go get it. Go get it now. Give yourself this gift. And I don't talk about a lot of health books or things like that because there's so much information out there. I fully double tap on this. It's got my stamp of approval. Go and get it now and start changing your life. I dare you. Thank you so much, Colleen. You're amazing. Thank you so much. So are you. Thank you for being such a supporter. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the I Dare You podcast. I'm so grateful you chose to spend this time with me, but I'm even more grateful for your future self that you are building one dare at a time. So my first dare for you is to subscribe to the show and then share it with a friend who you think needs to step a little bit more outside their comfort zone and into their best lives. They'll thank you for it. I'll see you next time on the I Dare You podcast. Thank you.